This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Um, apologies, I sound really blocked up and snotty. I'm not actually sick. I, this just happens. I have allergies and I always sound like this for the first several hours every morning. So yeah, welcome to my life of having sinus issues. So just ignore that and hopefully it clears up over the next wee while as we hang out with each other. Um, Thank you in advance for tuning into another episode. I have lots of stuff that I want to get stuck into. Um, I've been reading a lot the past week and it's just brought up all sorts of interesting thoughts and, you know, I've had like a perspective hangover this week just because I have been reading so much and it has challenged me to think about various things with a different lens and it's kind of been mind-blowing to be honest so hopefully um as I share my perspective hangovers with you over the next wee while it also you have some nuggets to take away or kind of blows your mind a little bit too um so the first thing that I want to talk about actually was not something that I read but rather experienced um so I've been, as most humans do, as we all do, um, I fudged up. I have said things in a way that have harmed communities um, and totally without even meaning to, um, but that doesn't really matter, right, because that language is still um, quite harmful and it's something that we just generally use and it wasn't until a friend um kindly called me forward um but it was just so interesting the feelings that initially came up um when my friend called me forward so just to be a little bit more specific because it sounds really vague at the moment um I was trying to send a file or I don't know I was trying to do something with my phone um but it just wasn't cooperating and so I sent a text to my friend off my laptop saying hey like look sorry my phone um is spazzing out and I I can't send it so I'll have to do it later and um my friend called me forward and said well you know language like that is actually quite harmful for you know for our disabled community like that is just not helpful language to use and you know to say that your phone is spazzing out is probably not the best way to put it and and I agree like there's so many words in the English language there are definitely other ways that I could have worded that but it was just something that has never crossed my mind and unfortunately something that I have used before um and when something is used so casually and like in a social setting as well, when people use it, there's just green stamp that it's okay. Like I just never had the opportunity before to think about my language um, and how I use it. 
And so when my friend called me forward, I was like, okay, wow, this is like, thank you so much. This is um, an amazing learning opportunity. And it was just interesting before I got to the stage of, you know, it, it wasn't, I'm I, thankfully because I am in this space where I talk about um, race and cancel culture and like you know these are the things that I I think about all the time so you know when those feelings came up I had the language to kind of label it and you know for me when I have the language or a working understanding of what I'm feeling then I'm like okay cool I can move past these feelings um but it was just really interesting those feelings that came up like I felt so ashamed I felt so ashamed of myself um like and it came up physically like I could just feel that pit in my stomach and I also I felt really vulnerable um you know even though that is not what my friend was trying to say at all but I definitely felt the sense of oh god like I am a horrible person like I am a horrible person and I just you know, I don't deserve to have access to, you know, like language or to speak again, which sounds a really ridiculous saying out loud. But, you know, it was, I was like almost on the verge of cancelling myself. Um, and it wasn't until I was able to like put words to those feelings that were coming up. Another thing came up for me and it, it might be, I'm just mentioning it because, you know, there might be someone else out there who's also feeling this. But I was like, how dare I, you know, try to be a champion for anti-racist work? Um, and how dare I, you know, be active in a space where, you know, there are all these intersecting identities, right? So I try my best to be an ally not just in the race space but in lots of other spaces and ways shapes or forms because the way I see it is that you know there's this common thread between all communities who have been who are not part of the majority essentially you know if your identity or experience isn't centered in the cis whiteness that we kind of tend to operate as our norm life is really really hard life is extremely hard um and so I try my best to be an ally in all spaces because as a black Muslim woman you know I somewhat understand I'm not saying that I understand exactly and intimately and innately every single experience um you know but I understand that there's this baseline understanding right and so when I my friend called me forward I was like oh my god like I I don't belong and I don't deserve to be active in any of these spaces anymore like I yeah I I was on the verge of cancelling myself and I think my armor there was there's this idea of being perfect and here I was in this moment not being perfect right this is I'm just not helpful language but this is how my brain initially and ins instinctively um, thought about it so 
you know, here I am wanting to be perfect and having this idea that I need to be perfect um, to be an ally. I've had this non-perfect moment. And so, you know, I, yeah, nearly cancelled myself, which is, and having this experience was quite, um, I don't want to use the word humbling, but it was that experience not only learning the lesson of not using that language, um, but also having these feelings come up was a learning experience in itself because it taught me, A, you need to be really kind to yourself and you need to escape this idea that these feelings won't come up because they will. It instinctively comes up because that is human nature um and so when people are talking about you know when you if the fear of making mistakes is quite real it is um an instinctive feeling right to feel that fear um but these other instinctive feelings of shame and guilt and all these other armors like they come up as well like the fear is not the only thing that comes up but you should push through all of these feelings whether it's the fear the guilt the shame because on the other side that is where the work lies and you know I can I can somewhat understand the fear of making mistakes from holding people back I get it because when you're feeling these emotions that we identify as ugly or bad or should avoid you know they do have that label of should avoid um you just don't want to experience those things um and knowing that they do come up as well like because it's irrational it's not it's not rational in the sense that like for me for example personally having difficult conversations is something that I've been practicing really hard for the past couple of years and these feelings always come up and it's not trying to avoid them or stop them from coming because they will it's how you label it how what kind of language you have with it and how you push through it um, to do the work that lies on the other side and you know because I have been practicing having difficult conversations with myself or I have been practicing being okay with these ugly emotions you can't see me but I'm doing air quotes around ugly um I was able to push through it a lot quicker and I think when you're you do have those tools and the skill set in your kit to get through these emotions you know the fear might still be there but it doesn't seem as big or nasty um but it was just really interesting because not only have I been trying to do work on you know being an ally in all sorts of different spaces I've just been trying to work on myself as a human um and you know figuring out what my armors are figuring out what my limiting beliefs are trying to heal through you know all of this trauma that I'm carrying you know I'm just trying to do some adult shit basically um it was really interesting how how I viewed myself also came up in these emotions as well it wasn't just 
the the shame um, or the vulnerability that came with making a comment like that or being called forward. It's how I also view myself, um, like the perfection thing. I am a perfectionist and to the point where it's my fault because I, if I know that I can't do things perfectly or if I'm not in the perfect conditions, I just simply won't do it. Um, but if I don't get things right the first time or if it's not 100% or if it's not perfect, then my inner brain translate translates it as direct as a direct reflection of my self-worth and that feeling definitely came through when I was trying to process those emotions that first came up when I um, got called forward Um, and then another thing that came up was kind of relates to the perfectionist thing is that I'm not a perfect ally like I think just because of the nature of the mahi that I do and I don't know my friends are awesome and they love talking about this kind of stuff like I think the people that I surround myself with are quite open-minded love having these challenging uh, discussions and you know want to be open about things and want to learn and pick up new perspectives and like here I was and I made a mistake in front of these um people who are so open-minded and I just felt this yeah this shame associated with that I was like oh gosh like I'm not as um like I just don't deserve to be having a conversation because we're clearly in different spheres um and I think when I like when people come up to me and they ask questions about I don't know race or Islam or like what what's my experience like being a black Muslim girl uh, living in Aotearoa um I think that definitely comes up right like for whatever reason just because of my I think purely just because of my lived experience people who are kind of new to the space um and this is just in my personal experience I'm not saying that I'm a guru or so many people lining up to talk to me about this kind of thing. I don't mean it in an up myself kind of way, but just in the conversations that I've had with people who are new to entering the space, I think because of my lived experience, I'm somewhat put on a pedestal. Um, and when you're, when you put people in different leagues to you like that, um, it's just really strange because you know in order to engage there's this sense of we have to be on the same level now and I'm like well no because like you have to recognize that no one is perfect and everyone will make mistakes like no matter how well versed or aware you are in one space like you just like everyone has something to learn that's what I'm trying to say essentially everyone has something to learn um but it was just so funny. I know this rationally, um, but all of these underlying, you know, not lessons, but school of thought came up in these emotions. And I think that's why it's so important to process these emotions because, you know, once you do, you're able to see where they're coming from, what beliefs are they founded on? Because 
emotions don't come out of nowhere, right? They come from somewhere. And I think emotions are an invitation to dig deeper, to kind of figure out what's going on underneath. And, you know, processing those emotions that came from that one instance of being called out, it just brought up all of these things for me. Like, I didn't... I rationally know you know xyz but irrationally here i am still subscribing to the belief that i need to be perfect um subscribing to the belief that i need to be on this to engage in these kind of conversations i need to be on the same level with whoever is whoever i've deemed above me um that i still subscribe to the feeling that if i make a mistake then i'm a bad person um like all of these things came up and it, something that I've seen come up for a lot of other people as well. And I think it's really important just to, when you do get called forward, just paying attention to those emotions that come up and kind of figuring out, well, hmm, what does that um, mean for me? What does that look like for me? How does it show up? Um, what conversations am I having with myself on a subconscious level, on an irrational level? Like, what do I need to do further work on? And so that has been a really eye-opening experience for me. And it was just so interesting that I honestly was on the verge of cancelling myself. And that actually is no help to anyone if you cancel yourself because you're not, I mean, you might not be going backwards, but you're definitely not going any more forward. It kind of puts you in this position where you're stuck, you're stagnant. Um, and that is just really not helpful at all. And, you know, hold yourself accountable. Um, apologize if you need to. Acknowledge the harm that has been done. Like, hold yourself accountable for sure, um, but don't cancel yourself, it is um, a learning process, but I think we're just so scared of these emotions to begin with, and then there's that additional fear of being cancelled, um, it definitely, you know, shuts the door for a lot of people to have these conversations, but we owe it to ourselves and to others um, to kind of open that door and push through the fear and, and the shame and the guilt and, you know, the the bullshit. Um, I'm, I'm calling it bullshit. Um, you know, those beliefs that we hold on to thinking that we're protecting ourselves, but actually we're just harming our, or we're stopping our own personal development by carrying this armor, this bullshit armor. Um, we owe it to ourselves to kind of push through all of that. Um, so it was just really interesting kind of unpacking all of those emotions that came up for me. And I think, you know, next time you get called forward or next time you do notice those emotions, wherever you are, what, like, whatever space it is um, and what kind of conversation that you're having, just take note of those emotions because they are really important. You know, they demand to be paid attention to and they demand to be unpacked. Um, I was watching 
a cut video yesterday so cuts a youtube channel and they just do all sorts of videos honestly it's a bit of a pick and mix with cut um but the whole idea of cut is to um do things that are out of the box right and so they have fun video like um it's kind of sounds like they're a wholesome video like sometimes it's not so wholesome but we kind of it's a space to talk about the things that we don't normally talk about right um but they're also a bit of fun like they do lots of um like beer pong videos with like truth and dear but with uh unorthodox um couples or duos playing so it's it's a bit of fun but anyways um they they one of the most recent videos was uh, three people who had to guess from a lineup of people um, who had an abortion or not. And um, one of the women participating who was trying to guess um, made some assumptions about one of the um, people in the lineup. And, um, you know, she assumed boldly and she assumed wrong. And, um, you know, she immediately, you could see those um feelings of like guilt and vulnerability and shame and I think she had the additional feeling of oh my god I've said this not only in front of the people um who are directly in front of me right now but I'm being recorded and potentially millions of people are going to see this online as well you know like I'm sharing this moment with lots and lots of people so I think there was that additional factor as well and you could see immediately how those emotions came up um how they showed up like her body language changed and then she said something along the lines of oh god am i going to get cancelled now or i should just cancel myself now um and the person that she wrongly made assumptions about was like well no like this is just just gently reminding you that this is a learning um experience this is an opportunity to grow like this is not um, no one's cancelling you here. This is an opportunity to grow. And I thought that was a wonderful thing to say because it is our default is to cancel ourselves or others, right? Like once you make this mistake, that's it. Um, I remember someone was telling me this, painted this image years ago when I was at primary school and I've just never been able to let it go um but you know imagine your character as like this white paper and as soon as you make any kind of oh no white shirt actually and as soon as you make any kind of mistake boom stain and no matter how hard you try you will there will always be remnants of that stain and you'll know exactly where it is and it just doesn't look the same as that nice clean new white shirt that you had and I think that I think that's what I still think about like that image is still so vivid in my head I think that's what I still think about um when I think about making mistakes and I really need to unlearn that I need to think about it more as a canvas instead right like you paint over things or it adds to the picture like there are just so many other ways it's not just this one stained white shirt and that's it um but I think that's what we all think about when we make mistakes but that is um that's just not it <laughs> that honestly is not it um the next thing that I wanted to talk about um 
came from this I was just scrolling on the gram and it came from this post and it made me feel all sorts of things and I think this tension has been showing up um, in my life in all sorts of ways as of late and um, so I'll just read out the tweet so the tweet was um, my parents died nearly a decade ago I'll be 50 soon and yet they're still the first people I want to tell or run to when something good happens because I always knew that my happiness was their happiness if your parents are alive make them happy one day they'll be gone and um, and honestly reading this post kind of brought up all sorts of things and um, this this tweet was posted on Muslims of the world so I'm applying or interpreting this text with the Islamic lens and you know in Islam we are taught that you know our parents our they are our everything and there is this hadith where it says you know paradise um, lies at the feet of your mother and so just to explain for non-Muslims out there hadiths um, the, it's not like the Quran so the Quran is our holy text um it's like the it's like the bible in the sense that it's our primary holy text it is um in arabic but there are so many translations of it now um in my house we have uh mandarin uh somali english um trend like versions of the quran um, but you can get in so many different languages now. But it is uh, read and recited in, in in Arabic. Sorry, did I say? Oh, no, no. Anyways, sorry, I just totally had a brain fart. Anyways, um, it's read, written in um, Arabic, but you can get different translations so you actually understand what's going on because for me I read it in um, Arabic and it's beautiful but because I don't actually have um, a working understanding of the language like my vocabulary is very very poor I have to read um, the English and the Somali but both together um, because that understanding is not 100% on just one language alone um, I read both together to make sense of what's actually being said so that's the Quran and the Quran that's um, you know we use chapters and verses from the Quran to pray in so that's why it's really important to know um, it in Arabic because we pray in Arabi um, but then there are also like supplementary books if you will and the hadith is one of them and the hadith is not um, Quranic verses or revelations from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself hadith is things that Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him would say or do and it's been noted down by his um, companions and um, verified so the hadith is um, you know it's really really important right people 
follow hadith, the hadiths and one of the hadiths is that you know paradise and it's from the quran as well i think actually oh my gosh i'm such a bad muslim anyways um you know paradise lies at your mother's feet and so the idea is that you know you whatever you do in this life it's your you keep your your parents happy and you know your mother happy and they will bless you and you know that is where paradise lies at their feet and so you know when you apply this kind of lens you can see you know obligations to family and to and family can be used um can be interpreted widely or narrowly like if you're interpreting it narrowly of course like your like blood relations but it can be uh, can be interpreted widely in the sense that family is community um and i think when you can interpret liken family to community it just shows like how important community is like if i were to go traveling overseas and i met uh, another somali person or there was another somali person traveling in new zealand and they needed help absolutely would open my my doors for them absolutely would host them you know take them to wherever they need to go you know there is a sense that you look after each other like literally no questions asked like literally i need to emphasize like there's a huge emphasis on no questions asked because community is family and like nothing is ever done by itself or by like by yourself like community is involved in everything and i think it's interesting growing up as a third culture kid you know i have these two quite opposing ideals on like who are you living your life for is it um for your family community um or is it for yourself and this tension has come up in my life time and time again and so when i read this tweet um I was like, wow, that tension is coming up because, you know, especially that line where it's like, because I always knew that my happiness was their happiness. And, um, you know, just being mindful when I am having this discussion, I'm not putting one above the other. I'm just saying that, you know, there are different ways to kind of, operate when we navigate this life and this world and just very different ways about thinking about things um and i see value in both and and i think where my tensions have come from as a third culture kid has happened in both spaces right in um my you know my at-home life where um like the Somali worldview, the Islamic worldview is at the forefront and then, you know, outside home life where, you know, it's the Western point of view. Actually, the more I say in home life and out home life, I kind of disagree with that. I think when I was younger, that really applied. Um, 
I think just because I was still trying to figure myself out and um, at home it was like a safe place to really really be a Muslim you know like even just the small things like saying alhamdulillah or inshallah that was a safe place at home and then when I was outside the home you know my way of relating to the world was either through school or you know hanging out with my friends or something so that the Islamic worldview or Somali worldview I kept that more at home and you know would kind of code switch um but now that I've become or yeah becoming stronger in my identity or just kind of taking onus of who I actually am as a person I think that distinction between inside the home and outside the home is not there anymore to be honest because I bring myself wherever I go um and I'm confident in doing that um but I think these tensions have come up so you know spaces where the islamic worldview somali worldview is at the forefront um contrasted to spaces where the western worldview is um at the forefront is really interesting um like for example i feel like i'll just give examples otherwise it sounds like that might be confusing y'all so for example um I was at an appointment and now that I'm trying to remember I can't now that I'm saying the story I cannot remember um what the appointment was for but perhaps it's best that I don't remember because it probably was quite personal but anyways I was at an appointment for something um having a yarn with um the doctor or whoever whoever it was um about my care and we were just kind of talking about all the things that were going on in my life and um or maybe it was a careers appointment or something I can't quite remember but anyways whatever the appointment was we were kind of talking about where my life was at you know what I'm talking you know what I'm going through what I'm thinking about for the future um because I remember in this um appointment we were kind of talking about well you know what do I want for my life in 5 10 15 years time um and I was talking about um how I you know I've gone back into study now I really want to do something in the mental health space and creating making it um a safer and more accessible uh space for you know the wider ethnic community because that representation is just not there um those services that are really needed for um our communities not there um and whoever I was talking to kind of made a comment about well you know you should learn to be more selfish like you think too much about um other people what about you like what do you want Amal and I actually thought that was really unhelpful (laughs) and also in the same appointment they said something about how I I care about my family too much or or something about why do you live your life like that you know you are an adult now you need to live life for yourself and I I honestly I'm not going to lie I felt quite attacked at that point because I remember thinking well that's actually how that's like the western point 
Western worldview coming through right now. And that's not actually how I navigate life. Like I am a person who is uh, Somali, Muslim, Wahine, who's grown up in Aotearoa. And my the way that I look at this world is through so many different lens and you're actually at at kind of demeaning something that's really important to me because this collectivism this community um it is really really important to me I think life you know to a certain degree yes you do need to find your own happiness and live life on your own terms you know but at the same time bring your community with you um look after your community like it's a two-way street and so you know whoever when whoever I was um said comments like that I was like wow to treat that western worldview as the norm and then to make me feel not so great about my life choices just because we have a different idea of you know individualism versus collectivism um that is not okay and so you know I've felt that friction in a western space but I've also felt that friction um from you know from the Somali Muslim worldview as well because you know especially that line because I always knew that my happiness was their happiness um and sometimes you know what do you do when the idea of happiness like doesn't match up like for example if I just abided by that then I wouldn't be with my husband right now because initially my parents you know happiness was not the same as mine um and I'm not saying that we're 100% there yet but you know with time and lots of hard conversations and understanding you know we've been able to get to a point where you know there's an overlap in happiness now which is amazing I never thought that we would get to the point that we're at at the moment Um, and for me that was a really difficult conversation because you know it was you know my parents and I have had like this clash of like individualism versus collectivism in the past but it's always been like things that we've been able to work through or the other side just have to concede and say okay you know that's fine I understand it's a no for now or it's a yes for yes for now depending on whatever was decided but it's you know one side being like okay I'm, I'm gonna drop this I'm gonna drop this or sometimes yeah we do kind of work through it together and have a hybrid um solution um but it's always been things like you know me going down to Otago or uh if I was allowed to go to my year 13 ball and what I wear to the year 13 ball just what I wear in general how I wear my hijab like all these things they're like you know they rock the boat but don't rock the boat that much but you know having Arthur in my life was like the first time that I really had to question um you know 
what what does my happiness look like what does my parents happiness look like whose am i prioritizing and like when we were first having this conversation i did have to make the hard decision of prioritizing my own happiness and that was so strange and it's a really hard conversation to have i think from a western point of view it's very much well it's your own life you do what you want to do you you know you pay your own bills you move out of the house at 18 you love whoever you want to love and I'm not saying that parents don't like love all of their children's part and choices in a western world um but there's never that tension of um you know this is my life this is your life or you know our happiness or satisfaction with life is directly connected with each other um and it's yeah this tension um or this fine line between individualism and collectivism is so um hard to explain um but i wish it was something that we had a wider understanding or acknowledgement of because there are so many people who kind of navigate the space and it's really hard to explain to people um on the other side and you know it's not you know there have been a couple of times where where I've told um you know my Kiwi friends like oh I'm going through this and it's just something that they have never ever thought about and fair enough like you don't really think about these things on either side until you um are on the fence or on the line and you're kind of navigating both spaces but otherwise you just don't think about it um and I think there is value in both um like I wish for example there was more of a collectivism in our western spaces like we do live lives that are very independent but I'm almost wondering you know like what's coming at the cost of that independence like I'm lucky to know some of my neighbors but we don't really like live together in a shared way um when we're making choices we think about what's going to satisfy us in the now and for us but what about for generations to come like I think it's so beautiful my parents when they think about you know all the life choices that they've made it hasn't just been for them and it hasn't even just been for us kids they're thinking about their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren they're thinking about the generations to come and that sense of longevity and that sustainability is honestly it's just so beautiful and I think we need more of that especially if we're looking at the problems that um, we're facing right now you know like climate change um, if we want our, you know, healthcare system, education system, welfare system to benefit everyone in Aotearoa, then I th- we definitely need more of that collectivism attitude, um, you know. And but I also see value in this individualism as well because sometimes we have you know the assumption with collectivism is that everyone thinks the same 
and that's not the case that is not always the case like and I, I think especially for first generation migrant kids you know parents come here and think if we you know raise our children with the same values and culture and culture sorry and practices and traditions and values that we were brought up on they will think the exact same way we do but the reality is that yes we have all of that um love and and values and culture and tradition from our parents but we are very much influenced by um where we actually have grown up too you know um there are many sources that inform who we are as people and um this doesn't happen in isolation like i don't just operate in the new zealand world and kind of switch off and then come home and live life by the somali muslim islamic sorry worldview like it just it doesn't work like that like the lines are blurred um ideals and values and traditions bleed into each other and kind of pull together right so it's hard because yeah collectivism there's that underlying assumption that everyone thinks the same and so when you don't and there's a clash you know there's accusations of well you're being selfish or you're not thinking you're just only thinking about yourself those things kind of come up but it's like well yes but also well no I'm not being selfish but you know my happiness is really important to me and it sucks when it just doesn't line up so I guess what I'm trying to say is you know this the tension between individualism and collectivism I think the tension comes from the sense of ownership like you know who who owns your life and who do you owe your life to um because both sides have very different answers for that and I think in reality we all need to be um living life on that line you know living life in the area where the lines blur and both kind of influence each other and and bleed into each other because there is value in both there is very much value in both and it doesn't have to be um it doesn't always have to be intention though I will say in my personal experience the tensions are where the learning lessons have come from right um it's been another opportunity for me to kind of explore um you know what does individualism and collectivism mean to me what value does it hold in my life all these sorts of things right um but I think we all kind of need to live more in we need to live more in that blurred space um, because there is so much beauty and um, to both and the last thing that I kind of want to start talking about because I am mindful of time but it is something that I want to delve deeper into but just the concept of all the relationship between race and identity and how does that relate to um, our anti-racism work and um, and the reason why I was thinking about this, um, I'm reading this book at the moment. It's called Darkness is Golden. Um, 
by Mary Huang and I really hope I've said her last name correctly um, and if I haven't please someone call me forward um, but she is the founder of the Indigo Project and it's this um, therapy meets therapy but just completely zhuzhed up to kind of meet the real person where they're at right like it's not just therapy for when you're at those pointy at the pointy end of life but it's more therapy as an exploration of self because we all need that at any age at any stage of our life um and so you know she in this book she talks about her her own experiences but also her experience as therapist but it's kind of like therapy in itself because in it um it has prompts it has there's opportunity to do some journaling um there's also some meditations in there like it's an audio experience as well as reading the actual book and so I'm kind of I've just literally just started reading it and um you know, we start talking about belonging and identity and, you know, basically who the bloody hell are you? And, um, and then it just kind of got me onto this train thought, um, train of thoughts. And, you know, once you start one, you kind of just go into this, um, one leads to the other. And I was just kind of thinking about, well, how do I view race and how did it show up in my life? Because to be honest, I just did not really think about race at all until I started school. And, you know, people pointed out that I was different. And um, I just really did not think about race. And then I started thinking about, well, how is it that I define race? And my current conclusion is that I don't know, or I don't really have... A working definition because I think sometimes when I think about race I use it the same way that I think about um, ethnicity um, and then and then I think about sometimes I use race the same way I use like culture like so when I'm talking about race I'm not talking about you know how someone looks it's actually that culture um, that tradition and sometimes race just kind of subscribes to those stereotypes like I was just thinking about all the different ways that I've used race in the past and the yeah the con the different contexts that I do use race and it kind of takes on a different shape or form depending on how I'm talking about it who I'm talking about it with what else are we talking about and it's really confusing and then I kind of stumbled on this uh raceless theory and you know I will get into this um in another episode but to kind of um kick start this conversation you know generally there are three ways that people view race so the first way is um naturalism and people who naturally think this way believe that race is a biological construct and 
you know, because it's a biological construct, it's often come that it comes with this idea that, you know, one race is better than the other. Um, there's this kind of hierarchy to it, which is really yeah really interesting so you know the differences and I think the reason why there is this um implied uh meaning that one race is better than the other is because because races are a biological construct biological meaning natural um meaning right meaning this is the way that it's meant to be um because there are the differences in race some differences mean that some are better than the other um which is kind of gross when you think about it but you know just some were meant to be on top some were meant to be on the bottom and that's that um and so when i think of this type i'm like okay you know these are the type of people that adopt who believe in uh eugenics or believe in phrenology um this is how they view race and then the second category is uh socialism like let me just go back to my notes and make sure that i've actually um understood this properly um yeah so social constructionism sorry and the idea here is that race is a social construct um it is made out of um ideas beliefs cultures uh, cultures traditions practices um but it, the idea of race is something that we as humans have made up um and then the last category is um skepticism and you know saying that race is neither a biological or social construct um but race is something that we should stay away from like race is kind of redundant and that kind of leads me to the raceless theory and the racist theory is different to colorblind um different to being colorblind with the racist theory it still acknowledges um the effects of racism but just saying that we actually need to we're just humans at the end of the day and we need to look at ourselves outside the experience of race and that sounds kind of strange um, but we will delve into it for the next episode. So please stay tuned. Um, but yeah, keep marinating on what race actually means to you. What category do you think you'd put yourself under? Um, and let me know. Hold on to those thoughts and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.